0: Actually, I just remembered I have a pal at the DMV. Flash is the fastest guy in there. You need something done, he's on it. I hope so. We are really fighting the clock, and every minute counts. Wait. They're all slots. you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast. I thought in Zootopia, anyone could be anything. Flash, Flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hey, Flash, I'd love you to meet my friend. Well, I was hoping you could run a plate for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two-nine. T- Number. Oh. Two nine T H D 3 Two nine Th-D-03. T H-D-03. H D zero three. T H D zero three. H D zero three. D. Mm -hmm. Zero, three. Zero. Three. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. Mm. What do you call a three humped camel? I don't know. What do you call a three humped camel? Three humped camel. Pregnant. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, uh, ah. Yes. Uh, very funny. Very funny. Can we please uh, just focus on the chat? Hey, wait. 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 Priscilla. Oh no. Yes. Flash. What? <gasps> Do. You call. A three-humped camel. Uh, Pregnant! Okay, great, we got it. Please, humped Here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hurry, Thank you. Two nights HDs are three. Go. It's registered to... Tundratown limo service. A limo to Otterton and the limo's in Tundratown. It's in Tundratown! Way to hustle, bud. I love you. I owe you. Hurry! We've got to beat the rush hour in. It's night? It's night? Oh, that clip makes me so uncomfortable every time I see it. I was raised in a world that prizes efficiency and utterly deplores inefficiency, and flash the sloth is the embodiment of inefficiency. I'm with Judy Hopps, the rabbit cop. Is it too much to ask for a little efficiency? Efficiency, productivity, maximizing, making. These words from the field of economics have changed the way we think and talk about what it means to be human. How we define and validate our existence. I'm as valuable as I am efficient. You are worth whatever you can produce. We must maximize everything, making the most of every moment... Every opportunity, if, if you're not doing two or three things at once, you must not care enough. If you're driving down the road and you're not also making an important call or listening to a podcast, shame on you for wasting your time. If you haven't figured out how to punch out emails on the smartphone while you're exercising, well, you really need to get on that. You know, the, the Apostle Paul said, without love, I am nothing. But our society says, without accomplishments, we are nothing. And so you and I, we schedule ourselves into oblivion. The calendars on our walls or on our phones, they, they're as difficult to decipher as a child's first drawing. All of the blank white space is filled up with scribbles of color. In this 24-7 world, with artificial light to brighten the night, with nonstop television programming to, to shield us from the silence, and, and with the World Wide Web at our fingertips, we feel a need to be constantly on, constantly going, constantly doing. And for many of us, our, our busyness, it becomes a sort of badge of honor. Think about it. We, we go on vacations and we don't get any rest. We, we cram the time so full of activity that when we get home, what do we say? We, we joke about how we need a vacation from our vacation. We're always going, always doing. When sheer tiredness threatens to slow us down, we, we mainline caffeine. When sickness threatens to stop us, we, we pop a couple pills and, and we power through. So many of us live in a perpetual state of exhaustion. The scriptures tell us about a people who lived in a perpetual state of exhaustion. The, the people of God, captive in Egypt, they, they cried out for relief as Pharaoh kept increasing quotas and elevating expectations. They they had a sense that there was something inherently wrong with Pharaoh's relentless demands for more. But you and I, we we have a sense that something's wrong with us when we can't keep up with those increasing expectations. And so we 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 try harder to do more, to accomplish more, to produce more. We try and we try and we try. But, but there's, there's something really off with our self-perception when we begin to think this way. And I think Walter Brueggemann captures it best. He, he said this, multitasking is the drive to be more than we are, to control more than we do, to extend our power and our effectiveness. And ever since I heard those words, I, I haven't been able to shake them because what, what it sounds like he's saying to me is this. The attempt to continually do more and accomplish more and produce more is the attempt to play God. After God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, he he gave them a set of instructions, commandments that that were supposed to help them live their lives well in community. And, And the fourth of the Ten Commandments is this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. From the earliest days of Israel's life together after captivity, God was very clear with the people that that there was to be no playing God, no pretending that their capacity for production was limitless. Instead, they were to regularly rest for a 24-hour period from the hectic pace of all the other days of the week. And that, that period of rest was to be a, a, a physical confession that, that the world is not dependent upon their production. That the world would keep spinning, not because they were so busy doing so much, but because God's on the throne. But if you and I are honest, many of us, we, we have we have to admit that there's, there's no place in our lives for this kind of intentional slowing. In fact, uh, we have the opposite problem, one we might call hurry sickness. Now, hurry sickness is a condition characterized by a frenetic pace, always rushing to get to the next appointment, to, 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 to complete the next purchase, to, to check the next item off our never-ending to-do lists. And hurry sickness results from the mistaken belief that if we hurry more, somehow we will have more time for the more important things in life. But hurry sickness, it's such a part of of the fabric of our lives and our society that we don't even realize we're sick. A Christian author and, and minister, John Ortberg, he He was starting a new ministry job and he was overwhelmed by the demands that it was making on his life. And so he he called up one of his mentors, a a wise spiritual guide, and, and he shared with him how he felt like in this new role he was just being pulled in so many different directions. There was so much to do. And he asked his mentor the question, what is it that I need to do to be spiritually healthy As I try to to negotiate all of the demands of this role And there was silence on the phone A a long pause And then John's mentor said this John, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life Now John quickly jotted this down And and said, well thanks, that's great Now, Now what else? Another long pause. There is nothing else, John. Relentlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That's it. You can imagine how unhelpful that short conversation seemed. But then after some time for it to sink in, and work its way into John's heart, how unsettling it became. How challenging. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Do you know how to slow down and be still? For instance, when was the last time you had nothing on your agenda? The last time you had no to-do list hanging over your head? Can you remember a time that you made it through an entire day without hurrying? Or are you like me? When I start looking for symptoms of hurry sickness in my life, I find them everywhere. I weave in and out of traffic, convinced that doing so will shave 30 seconds off my lengthy Abilene commute. (laughs) Sometimes without realizing it, I tell my six-year-old Carson to hurry up with the basic tasks of every day. And it's not like we have anywhere we've got to be. It's not like we're in a hurry. It's just so instinctive that without even realizing it, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And I hope I haven't done it to any of you but sometimes in conversations I drop subtle hints. Get on with the story please. I've got other things to do. I've got hurry sickness. And the worst part of all is for most of my life I've never even known I was sick. I think One of the reasons so many of us are infected with hurry sickness is we live in a world that turns all of us into commodities. We're valuable as long as we're producing, but the moment somebody else can produce more or better or quicker or cheaper, we find out we're disposable. And while that may be best for the bottom line, there's something that doesn't feel quite right. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, he's just not worth it? Or have you yourself said, she's just not worth it, they're just not worth it? Is there a phrase in our common vocabulary that more perfectly captures how much we think of people as commodities than the phrase, you're not worth it? But it's not just the world that views us as commodities. We view ourselves as commodities. We've bought in wholesale to the idea that our worth, our value, our significance is tied up in our efficiency. And what we can produce and our ability to maximize to make the most of every opportunity. But it's never enough. And so you and I, we can never get comfortable in our own skin. Instead, we busy ourselves as a way of running from our own sense that we're not enough. We go and do and do some more because we want to make ourselves more valuable. And the most worrisome part of all of this is that when we begin to view ourselves as commodities, it's not a stretch for us to begin believing that God views us as commodities. And when that happens, we're in real trouble. Because then, not only are we not comfortable in our own skin, we get to where we're not comfortable in our own souls. And at that point, it's just a matter of time before we trade secular busyness, for spiritual busyness. Anything and everything we can do to make ourselves more valuable to God. And sadly, sometimes the church is even part of the problem. Asking members to to clear the outside commitments out of their schedules so that they can fill their schedules up with churchy commitments. But here's the thing. Hurry sickness is still a sickness even when we're hurrying For God Hurry sickness Is still a sickness Even when we're hurrying For God If you've got a Bible Turn to Luke chapter 10 If not you can read along on the screens Or just listen As we read a story that contrasts A life of hurry sickness And a life of intentional rest Luke chapter 10 While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're you're worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. Now, Martha is not just obsessed with keeping a clean house. The reality is she's ailing from hurry sickness, trying to, to rush around and get things done for Jesus, trying to prove that she is useful and therefore valuable to God. And as for Mary, well, it's it's not just that she's chill or is is in a healthy enough place in her life that she's decided she's cool with a reputation as the world's okayest hostess. Mary has has had some sense in her head and in her heart that that deep down in her soul, in God's eyes, she's not something to be used. She is someone to be loved. She's not something to be used. She is someone to be loved. And so rather than hurrying to get things done for Jesus, she chooses to simply be with Jesus. She sits down and waits to receive the gifts of his goodness and his grace. if we're going to be people who cultivate healthy spiritual lives, there needs to be a rhythm of times to do and times to be. Times to produce and times to be present. Times to move quickly and times to slow down and rest. And without this kind of rhythm, we find ourselves in in the very place many of us are this morning, exhausted, burned out, Weary down deep in our bones. Like Martha, you and I are are so ingrained with this sense that we are what we produce that it's almost impossible to join Mary in slowing down and resting in God's grace. But, brothers and sisters, I've got good news. To be a faithful follower of Jesus is not to have an overfull calendar. To be a faithful follower of Jesus is not to be proficient at brushing your teeth while you're punching out emails, while you're jogging on the treadmill. To be a faithful follower of Jesus is not to maximize your earning potential. No, to be a faithful follower of Jesus is to have a healthy rhythm of working to the glory of God and resting, yes, resting to the glory of God. I'm convinced that one of the most faithful things we can do to bear witness to God in our world today is to slow down and rest in God's grace. To practice slowing. And here's what we mean by slowing. You can get the note card that's on the pew there and jot this down for for you as you go through the week ahead. Slowing is... Is doing less on purpose So we can become more in God's presence Doing less on purpose So we can become more in God's presence But slowing is not just going to happen on its own You and I, we're going to have to make intentional choices And cultivate habits that, that help us to slow down. And that's going to mean saying no to a number of good things so that we avoid burning out. It's going to mean choosing to rest and be still while others are out there getting ahead. And if the warning sirens haven't already gone off in your head, let me trigger them for you. We don't like a bit to say no to good things. And we certainly aren't comfortable with sitting still and resting while others are out there getting ahead of us. This is going to be hard. See, the real dark side of hurry sickness is this. It's so common and normal that when we start to slow down, we start feeling sick. We start feeling like something's not right. We think we're supposed to be going all the time. So hurry sickness, it's got this grip on us that is so, so difficult to break. But we have to push through it. We have to be intentional about carving out some sacred space in our lives to stop doing and start being. A few years back, I went to a retreat with some other ministers and the facilitator of the retreat recognized that as much as we should have known better, a bunch of ministers didn't really know how to do this. <laughs> and so she, she told us, for the next 90 minutes, you are going to slow down. You are going to rest. We were free to pray or journal. Uh, We could explore the beautiful state park that was around us, but we were not to talk to other people. We were not to send text messages or emails. We were not to sneak away and steal time to work on a sermon that was coming up in a few days. This was time to slow down and rest. Now, I'd like to tell you, that knowing how important this resting is, I was excited when the, the facilitator said we were going to have time to slow down and rest, but that would not be true. I was uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as Judy Hopps waiting on Flash to get the job done. But, I'm a rule follower, generally speaking, and so I was determined, as much as it made me really uncomfortable, I was going to try my best to follow the instructions, despite how much dread was building up in my heart. So when, when we were turned loose, I, I found my way to an outdoor balcony and sat down on a chair. And it was nice. There, there was, you know, no artificial noise, sound of bugs and birds, and a little pond beneath that was kind of rippling here and there. But after a few minutes, I started to hear a sound. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Now, there was not an analog clock, clock within, I don't know, 100 yards of me. But somehow, in my head, this silence got me hearing the tick, tock, tick, tock. And I'm telling you, every second... Felt like five I didn't know how this was ever going to come to an end and the longer I sat there the more distractions came rushing into my mind the first was all the things I needed to get done the sermon that I needed to be working on the the, the phone calls that I needed to make the, the things at home that I needed to take care of when I got back and then it was oh, I really miss my family Mindy and Carson and Charlie, who was two months old at the time. I'm not sure I'd ever miss them more. And, and as time went on, it was one thing after another popping into my head. But, but the last was, you know, all the stuff that I'm running from when I constantly busy myself, it started to catch up. And, and the worst of, of all of that was this, this fear of not being enough. Not being uh, valuable enough for God. And, and as all that stuff came rushing in, I decided to do what the facilitator suggested. If if your head start getting full of all sorts of distractions, get out some paper and a pencil and write. Just journal it all as a prayer to God. So So I got out the paper, I got out the pencil, and I started writing. And for a few minutes, the words flowed like... Water rushing out of a tap, one thing after another, after another, after another. I'm writing and writing and writing, and then all of a sudden, the water ran dry. There was nothing else to think, nothing else to write. And in that stillness again, I'd experienced that discomfort, that anxiety that had been creeping up within me from the very beginning when the ground rules were being laid out. <laughs> Even the journaling, which was supposed to be a way to rest in God's presence, had turned into a way for me to try to make myself more valuable to God. To try to make myself worth more to God. And I don't know if it was five minutes later or 30 minutes later, but at some point, the, the discomfort with the stillness and the quiet, it began to dissipate. And it was like a, a moment of, of suddenly breathing fresh air after breathing a bunch of smoggy, exhausty air. No longer was, was I concerned about what I had done or hadn't done, what I could do or should do. I, I just had a sense of being loved by God. It was as if the, the stillness there had given God a chance to step into my life and throw productivity off of the throne. Finally dawned on me that before anything I ever had done or, or anything I ever would do, God loved me for me. God's love alone was the defining truth of my life. And as that truth began to sink in that day on the balcony, uh, slowing began to feel not only comfortable but essential. And for the first time in a long time, I felt like someone to be loved. Rather than something to be used. And then in the hours and the days that followed. It was like I was a new person. I, I found that I was, was. Instead of being overcome by chaos. I was, I was filled with peace. Instead of being enslaved to hurry. I felt free to be patient. And what I discovered. Was that slowing down was the medicine I didn't know I needed. For the sickness I didn't know I had. Slowing down was the medicine I didn't know I needed For the sickness I didn't know I had After a while though I discovered something else (laughs) And that is that the effects of slowing down They don't last forever That sense of being loved by God Of safely dwelling in God's grace It starts to fade as we get back to doing and doing and doing Which is why we so desperately need to cultivate a rhythm of slowing down and resting in God's presence. Of coming back to those quiet places where we can stop doing and just be. Stop doing and just be. And so this week, we've got four experiments that are on the little note cards in the pew that that we'd love to, to offer you as possibilities you can try this week. To find a way to, to slow down and rest in God's grace. You know, maybe, it's, maybe for you the, the best thing to do is to try, to try to spend time with someone else without any agenda or expectations of getting anything accomplished. Just be with them. Help them to feel like someone to be loved rather than something to be used. Or maybe for you the best thing you can do this week is to turn down an opportunity for activity not because you're already double booked and this would be triple booking but because you just know you need to rest or maybe and this is the one I'm gonna try to do try to make it 24 hours without telling anybody in your life to hurry up and lastly Try to make a plan because it's going to take a plan that enables you to spend 12 to 24 hours not working, slowing, practicing Sabbath like God's people, to give yourself the chance to rest in God's presence. Now, for many of us, I mean, this is going to be hard, really hard. But let's not kid ourselves. What we're doing is hard. The exhaustion is a sign of how hard it is. The burnout is a sign of how hard it is. So instead, let's try something else. Let's try something different. Let's let's push through and slow down this week. Cuz I'm convinced that when we slow down and we settle into God's grace, we will find that it's a better way to live. It's a better way to live. And so this morning, may we who have been long slaves to productivity, we who have for far too many years been addicted to multitasking, we who have been way too proud of our busyness and yet at the same time weary of our exhaustion, may we hear Jesus inviting us this morning. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. You'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Oh God, help us learn how to live freely and lightly. To live like Jesus. This is our prayer this morning. I want to ask our shepherds, along with their wives, if they would, to stand where they are. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a final song. And as we do, they, they're going to be available to pray with you. And if you came in this morning exhausted from the pace of life, exhausted because of the effects of hurry sickness in your life, I wanna encourage you to find one of them and ask them to pray with you this morning that God will help you this week to slow down and rest and settle into God's grace knowing that you are not something to be used, you are someone to be loved. Go to them this morning as together we stand and we sing.